1: We may also be sweary from time to time. We're optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we recognise this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that.
0: In this week's show, it's a big one, everybody. We are talking about
1: sex when trying to conceive. It's kind of a requirement for the whole process of having the baby. But maybe it isn't as much anymore.
0: Well, Roisin, here we go. I mean, straight in. Do you have to have sex to have a baby? I mean... That is the key question. You actually don't, but you do need a sperm and an egg. So, you know, we're going from the basics here, people. We need a sperm and we need an egg. Might not be your sperm, might not be your egg, but you need one of each. And you need both of them to be pretty good quality. I mean, we've jumped straight in here. You do need good quality eggs, good quality sperm. And there are lots of things you can do to support that, which we have talked about before. We've got nutrition, we've got exercise, we've got fitness. But yeah basic line you need a good quality egg a good quality sperm and you need those two to meet and to like each other and to get on and fertilize the egg and hopefully you end up with a lovely embryo which hopefully then implants into the lining of your uterus so you go on to have a lovely healthy pregnancy that is that is the basic plan
1: so let's talk about the meeting of the egg and the sperm when i was back doing biology during the flintstone years Uh, We were told it was between day 13 and day 15. That's a regular 28-day cycle. Does it matter where, as in, is it better to be on day 13, 14, 15? Can you be a bit earlier? Can you be a bit later? Or do you have to hit it right on the 14th day?
0: You're absolutely right. In school, we get taught about the 28-day cycle. But as I'm sure many of our listeners know... Actually, a lot of cycles are not 28 days dead on, so the reason they talk about day 14 is because if you have a 28 day cycle, day 14 is usually the day you ovulate. Ovulation is, of course, when the egg leaves the follicle and it starts to travel down the fallopian tube, the idea being that there is a lovely healthy sperm waiting to meet the egg. In terms of timing for this, it might be day 14, but it it could be a little bit before, it could be a little bit later. So there's a lot that we need to talk about in terms of how you know when you are ovulating. What we're looking at is what's called your fertile window. And this is the optimum time for you to conceive. What's really interesting is sperm can hang around for around five days okay so for someone who is not trying to get pregnant that's really important to know because you might think oh no it's you know it's nearly a week until I ovulate I'm, I'm going to be absolutely fine and actually that sperm can still be hanging around so you've got about five days on sperm the egg though you really only have around 24 hours from ovulation and this is really really interesting the eggs are bigger they're more expensive and as we've talked about before you have a limited supply so you've got this really precious, really precious commodity. It's in limited supply and without meaning to be disrespectful to any male listeners, their sperm it is, you know, there's theres millions, millions of sperm. Um, it's smaller, it uses less energy, you can reproduce it. So the egg is picky and it's around for a, a much shorter amount of time, but basically five days before ovulation.
1: Is there any signs that I can look for that will give me a ha-ha, it's on the way. Yeah, luckily, there are
0: loads of signs. So if you get tuned into your body, which a lot of people in the journey get very tuned in, and sometimes it can be too much if you like, you know, you're so in tune you can't think of anything else. But yeah, if you're going kind of um oh natural without using any of the kits, which we'll come on to in just a minute. So the key things to look for if you are ovulating, some people will actually start to feel some light cramps. Some people will start to feel ovulation pain. But don't worry if you don't feel that. It's just some people do you might have them and you don't notice them. So you've got kind of cramps and a little bit of ovulation pain. The key indicator, though, is the consistency of your cervical mucus. As you go through your cycle, your cervical mucus, which is the discharge that comes out of your vagina, will change. And around the time of ovulation, what you're looking for is the best possible environment for the sperm the one that's easiest for them to swim through and the one that isn't too acidic so it doesn't kind of kill them off. And that's the what we call the egg white cervical mucus because it looks exactly like your egg whites. And the idea is that your body will start to produce this in abundance because the sperm love it and the sperm can um, be ejaculated and then they swim through this egg white cervical mucus having a great time, headed up to the fallopian tubes but they get there, no bother and hopefully they then meet a lovely egg the sperm will then fertilise the egg. After ovulation, because some of you will be thinking, well, how do I know if I've missed it? After ovulation, the mucus becomes kind of thicker. It's quite often quite white in colour. But if you imagine it, it'd be really difficult to swim through. (laughs) So it kind of makes sense. You'd think, well, there's no way a sperm could swim through that. So it just kind of makes sense. But egg white cervical mucus is really important. When it comes to your Kind of mentality, this is really interesting as well. So, there's loads of research that shows uh, you might smell particularly attractive, which is really interesting. Um, and other people might notice that more than you, but you might smell really good. But when it comes to your own perception of yourself, this is the time in the month where you look in the mirror and you're like, Oh, yeah, I am looking good today. My mm. skin is looking great. My hair is looking great. You just feel better in yourself. You look in the mirror and you're like, Yes, I am looking good. Evolutionary with my psychology head on, this is so interesting because you wanna be confident, you go out, you look good, you feel good, you find a mate, you have sex, you reproduce. Sure. So it's really, really interesting. And there's loads of really cool research on this. There was one particular study that found women who were dancers um, in clubs, so not not tap dancers and you know ballet dancers, more kind of exotic dancers, they actually get more tips around the time of ovulation Um, And this is really cool. So there's something that's making them more attractive around the time of ovulation and they earn more money, which is amazing. So there's there's loads, there's loads going on. Is this an old wives tale that people used to take their temperature? Oh, this is true. We've got the natural body symptoms that you can tune into, but there are other ways. So there is tracking of your temperature. So on the Internet, this is referred to as your BBT, which is your basal body temperature. And... What happens here is after ovulation, your levels of progesterone increase. And to cut a long story short, progesterone makes you slightly warmer. So after ovulation, if you're tracking, your temperature should rise ever so slightly. And that's a really good indicator that you have ovulated. Before ovulation, though, because obviously if you're trying to get pregnant, you want to be having sex maybe every two to three days, particularly around that fertile window. That's really important. You need to be having sex before you ovulate. What a lot of people do is they use what's abbreviated to OPKs, which is your Ovulation Predictor Kits. These come in different shapes and forms. There are some that are internal that track um, your body temperature and that type of thing. There are other ones that use urine, um, so they look a bit like a pregnancy test. Some of them kind of have two lines and some of them have a smiley face, depending on whatever brand you're using. And basically, they tell you when ovulation is going to happen. So they are predicting they give you advance notice because they pick up on a hormone called LH, which is luteinizing hormone. You get a surge of that just before you ovulate. So when you get a positive on those, you know, right, it's coming. Let's do that. So you track that, you do what you need to do, and then afterwards you look for that temperature rise. And if you manage to do all of those things, you know, you should be within a a good chance. You then move into the two week wait, which is we've talked about this before, but it can be excruciating because it's those two weeks and it feels like the longest two weeks of your life. Many of us go down, you know, the rabbit holes and we Google many, many, many strange things.
1: I can remember Maria saying that you once Googled in the two week wait. I've got a sore toe, could I be pregnant?
0: And I could, listeners, I could. Yes, the internet said it, so it must be true. Oh yeah, this, <laughs> this is why there is no judgment here, I promise. I literally
1: Googled, I have a sore toe, could I be pregnant? When we're talking about sex, let's talk about how much and how good. Is it a case of, it's just numbers, let's go for it. Let's hit it as many times between now and 15 days as we can. Let's leave it all on the pitch. Is it quantity? Is it quality? Does the sperm give up after a while? You know what? Does it give up? It just It just can't be bothered <laughs> it's just anymore.
0: Like, I'm, I'm exhausted, <laughs> I'm out. Uh, I'm out, I'm all out. I love that. I love that you've asked about quality as well. So um, I will address both these issues. Okay, so quantity wise, all the advice from doctors is usually be regular but you don't need to have sex every day. So the advice is basically every two to three days, because like I said earlier, the sperm can last up to five days actually. The advice from the doctors is you don't need to be having sex every day. Some research now looks at if the quality of the sperm is affected if the male ejaculates more often, basically. And it is mixed. And like we say in our our ending, we're not doctors, but from the research and from the literature that I was looking at, it does suggest that there is some evidence to suggest that the quality can decline if the male ejaculates too often. But I'm not an expert on this area, but that is what the research that I was looking at found. So two to three days is what the doctors recommend in terms of quantity. In terms of quality, well, this was very interesting. We're looking at sex and we've talked before about how, joking aside, this can take such a toll on relationships because sex is supposed to be um, you know, fun and romantic and this time for you and your partner to bond. When it comes to trying to conceive, you know, quite often it's like, come on, love, I've got my smiley face on my ovulation predictor kit, we need to go and do the deed. What I was looking at was whether or not um, an orgasm actually is important when it comes to trying to conceive because, you know, that's a very important part of sex for a lot of people. It wasn't a kind of hard yes or a hard no, but there are journals that have suggested that... Firstly, what was interesting was women are more likely to orgasm if they find their partner attractive, which may sound blindingly obvious to some of you, but this is in the literature, this is in the research. And there is some evidence that orgasm does help with conception later on. It wasn't an absolutely solid yes, okay? And I'm sure there are people out there that do not orgasm and still get pregnant, but. There is evidence to suggest it might be
1: helpful. Probably really helpful in your want to continue to do this. Sex is taken away from fun and frivolous. And it is being dragged into the practical, the timed, the calendared. As such, it can very much start feeling like you're doing this by road. Sure
0: absolutely and you literally are yeah
1: yeah it's right up there between the ironing and taking out the bins you know in terms of sort of stuff that just has no! to get done
0: <laughs> it's so sad but it's true
1: achieving an orgasm if you can obviously it's a nice reminder of <laughs> this is actually fun the The whole area of orgasm is actually really interesting and one of the things that has
0: been shown to do is to release um oxytocin it is the the love chemical and it's the chemical in our brain that promotes um, relationships, it it promotes bonding, it reduces anxiety. It's this incredible chemical that we release when you stroke your dog, when you breastfeed, it really promotes feelings of connectedness. And that is of course released when you orgasm as well. So again, you you could do a massive episode just on this, but it, it is important for a lot of people. It helps maintain that relationship. There is some evidence that suggests it does help with conception, but when it comes to being in this for the long haul, anything that you can do to help that bond with your partner is really, really important because it can be really tough.
1: I don't know if you've come across this with your clients, but and this might be a, a tiny bit left field. But what about people that don't have a sex drive or have some physical or psychological impediment to having sex? So yes
0: is the answer to your question. And For a lot of our listeners, if they have things like PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, that is essentially an endocrine disorder. So it's a hormone disorder and your sex drive is very much related to your hormones. So for a lot of people with things like PCOS, their hormone levels might be so low that they are just not in the mood at all. And that can be really difficult because it's stressful enough in the first place and then you just don't want to, you know. that It doesn't mean you don't love your partner, for the record. That's not what it means at all. It just means your hormones are not quite where they should be. So yes, that can definitely happen. Um, you can also have psychological reasons that can show themselves physically. So you've got things like vaginismus, which again, it affects around 1% of the population. It is classed as infertility because... Basically, the muscles in the vagina are so tight, it's very difficult for the penis to basically enter the vagina. And of course, you need that to happen in order for the ejaculation, in order for the sperm to go where it needs to go. So in that case, it might be that you have healthy eggs, that you ovulate, the sperm's good, but you just can't get the two to meet. So in that case, you might end up with an alternative way of of bringing the two together. And quite often that's from a psychological reason.
1: So therapy can really help. Um, I'm sure there are people out there that have therapy that help with this as well. What if you have a client that works shifts for 12 hours? How can people work around these genuine scheduling issues, especially if you're ovulating in an irregular way? Is there anything you can do to help your clients with that? Drugs, I will say, Roisin, <laughs> medication. So there we
0: go. The answer to <laughs> If it's a scheduling issue and joking aside, this is really this is a really big problem. Like you said, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're a factory worker, it could be if you're a cleaner, whatever it is, if you are a pilot, if you're not there around ovulation, you're in trouble. Okay? And and that I know people where this has happened. She was a doctor, he was a doctor, you know, they, they were on different shifts. That can be very difficult. And I have heard stories of people booking time off just so that they can be around around ovulation and that is a really tricky one that is a a life problem and that can definitely happen like i said earlier it doesn't have to be you know the minute you ovulate actually you do have a bit of that the window it's called a fertile window for a reason And, you know, plenty of people have sex three days before ovulation, four days before ovulation, sometimes even the five days before ovulation and they still get pregnant. The closer to ovulation, the better, but you're not out. When it comes to physical reasons like irregular cycles, that's really, really important. And a lot of women with things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, they just won't. They might not ovulate at all. They might not ovulate regularly. What clinics can do is they can use medication cause you to control the whole process basically so ironically some women actually end up on the pill the contraceptive pill to start to kind of just shut everything down they then come off the contraceptive pill they then have to take lots of other drugs but basically they will control everything with medication And that can be rough for women because they're having to inject, they're getting these massive bruises, you know, the hormonal, the the ride on this, you know, your body's going from being a little bit all over the place to being pumped full of hormones. I think there used to be this impression of, yeah, I just do IVF, just have some help. Absolutely not. No. And this isn't to scare listeners who are perhaps new to this. It's an amazing, an amazing thing, but I wouldn't want to be disrespectful either and say it's an easy option. But yeah,
1: meds, you can control it with
0: meds and you, you do what you want the body to do
1: with medication. I'm assuming it takes some time to get those meds right. Or when we we're talking about sex drive, it's one of the things that, that comes up when you're kind of more towards the peri side of things. Libido tends mm. to drop off and it's because there's a lack of testosterone. If you are listening and you have a really low sex drive or maybe you've had a perennially low sex drive, maybe get your testosterone levels checked. And it's another hormone that you might have to add back into the mix.
0: Yeah. So when you follow people on Instagram or on or wherever you see them on the Internet, you'll hear people talking about medicated cycles, and natural cycles. And basically, that's what they're talking about. So they're they're looking at will my body ovulate and then I can collect the eggs or, you know, or just before ovulation, I can collect the eggs. You also hear things about how the timing doesn't always work. So actually, you see where women have gone into the clinic and actually they've just missed ovulation which can be really upsetting because they've missed it by 24 hours. It's just one of those things. And for that woman, this is where I get a bit of my high horse. That is massive for that woman because all her hopes have been, and, and the partner, if there's a partner, the hopes have all been pinned on this cycle. You know, it's it's really, really important. And again, there's a certain element of grief around that. And we've talked about this a lot, but every stage brings its own stresses and it sounds really easy. You go in, they collect your eggs, happy days, but it can, it can go wrong sometimes. And then you've got to go back to work. You know, you've got to go back to your office. You've got to put on your happy phase. You've got to go in, do medical procedures or drive or do whatever it is, you know, interact with people, you know, yeah. good grief. Yeah, It's just to acknowledge that there can be a lot of things that um, are unexpected that may not sound like a big deal, but we, we realize they are, they are massive.
1: It's a uh- big thing. It's one of those that it's really hard. Mm. Sometimes in retrospect, it's like, oh, that's when I I ovulated then. Or we were trying it this way for so long and we shouldn't have left it so long. And there's a lot of, we should have, could have. Should have, could have. Yeah. Is there anything we can do? Can we improve sex? I know we talked about uh, having an orgasm, but position, for example, or is there anything else beyond having a big O? I have been looking into this. um, And again,
0: looking into this in the scientific journals was, was very entertaining. Um, Long story short, none of the research i found suggested that the position really makes that much of a difference. There are the tales of, you know, legs up in the air, bum on a cushion. And by all means, you know, if you want to do those things, there was also nothing saying those things cause any harm. It was just saying actually it doesn't really make that much difference because once the sperm is there, you know, they'll go. They'll go where they need to go. And, you know, they can fight against gravity. If you've got a nice environment for them, if you've got the nice egg white cervical mucus you know, your body temperature's good, your pH levels as it should be, the sperm will do what they need to do. You know, we've been here for many, many years as humans and a lot of the time people get pregnant and they don't even know they're pregnant. So, yeah, please don't stress if you haven't done the legs up in the air, if, you know, the research and also just life will show you that actually it can be absolutely fine. I get if you want to do it, you do what you need to do, but don't stress about it too much.
1: Sure, and I think also that might in itself be an important point because i know we're saying that these eggs are precious and they're smart and they're Mm. high value Mm. you hopefully do get another chance you know you may not have unlimited chances but you do get another chance
0: there are links between stress levels cortisol and the effects it can have on ovulation if you can be relaxed the the audience I know are shouting at me I I am not sitting here saying just relax it will be okay okay I would like to make that very clear I know that it is not that simple and I know how annoying it is when people say that to you there is some research that suggests cortisol which is the stress hormone and adrenaline you know we've talked about these in earlier episodes they they can interfere with things like ovulation so if we can keep the levels of those down then that can only be a good thing, which is why I include a lot of the relaxation um, in all my workouts as well, just to help people relax at the end of the workout. It can only help. Netflix and chill, which I only realized what that meant. Oh, know, Maria, a for few months God's ago. sake. Really? I know. I just thought it meant watch film and have a chill. Apparently that is not what it means, people. Yeah, apparently not. I was shocked. Shocked, I tell you. How was I supposed to know that? Who even invented that? Netflix and chill. Yeah, you're hooking I mean, up. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, so there you go. So do some Netflix and chill, which I now know what that means. And um, have a nice date night. Happy days.
1: (laughs) What are we going to be talking about next week?
0: Next week's episode is all about the September start. So if you're not sure what that is, tune in next week. But to give you a little taster, it will involve us talking about why September is a fantastic time. And we will also be introducing you to some challenges that we have coming up. So tune in next week and all will be revealed. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help.
1: This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.